You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Team. The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Revolution After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424-256-1729. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Revolution After Show. What's up, everybody? Bing is for doing, and we're doing it here live in the AfterBuzz studios for a special episode of NBC's Revolution Recap. But we have a very special guest in the house tonight, Tim Guinea, who plays Ben Matheson himself, who's going to be joining us on the phone live tonight. I'm Daryl Kristen, and I'm also joined by the lovely... Kristen Snyder. What's up, guys? <laughs> What's up, everybody? Tim, are you there? I am. I am. I'm so happy to be here. What an energetic lead-in you guys have. <laughs> we tried. Oh, my God. It, it's like I drank seven cups of coffee just listening to that. That's awesome. You know what? We feel like if, we, if we're not having fun, you're not having fun. <laughs> exactly. That's our motto. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, Tim. I'm really excited. Uh, we this is our tonight will be our second episode for third. or yeah, excuse me, yes. third episode for Revolution. We are really excited about what finds out tonight, and we're definitely excited to have you on the phone with us today. This is such a high concept show. I mean, I've been waiting for a show like this for television. This is something I feel like film has actually abandoned storytelling for adults, and I'm so happy that we get to be a part of the after show for Revolution because such a high concept TV show deserves yeah. the attention of an after show and a breakdown and great stars like you yeah. to also join us for interviews and provide that content for viewers. For sure. Wow, that's just lovely. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be great. I can already tell. I'm, I'm, I'm already excited here. Well, Tim, you know, we're in L.A. and um, we know that you are, are filming in North Carolina. Can you give, give us and the fans a little bit of background on, on your set design and, and what the set looks like in the entire environment there in North Carolina for, for Revolution? You know, it's kind of unbelievable. They, we're shooting in Wilmington, which uh, I think I first shot in Wilmington when Dino De Laurentiis had built a studio there, uh, I guess in the 80s maybe. Uh, and it's, it's got this incredible thriving um, film community there. And um, we have a, the, the, the production office is, a, is an old uh, factory or a warehouse or something, and it's it's actually pretty unbelievable. They've they've built the production office uh, and all the sets and all the costume storage and all the prop storage and everything is in one big place. And there was even enough room that uh, Jeff Wolf, who's uh, our unbelievable stunt coordinator, um, they they let him build a gym. Uh, which is just there for, you know, Billy Burke and, and him and, and the stunt guys to practice uh, all the fights that they're delivering every week. But I've never, I've never in my life been on a television show where 
the stunt department had a gym, and I, I think wow. it's, I think it's necessary on this show. <laughs> yeah, I actually given heard how much they do. I actually heard that Jeff Wolf they had him design uh, an original style of sword fighting specifically for this show. I, I think Je- I mean Jeff comes from a big, big, long martial arts background, and and I know they were very interested in making sure that the sword fighting. Uh, looked new and different and also was sort of down and dirty and and you know i think if you look at i think the militia swords all have kind of brass knuckles uh built into the hilts of them and there it's uh it, so the, the i think the fighting is all very very kind of uh down and dirty and ugly and <laughs> straightforward and i think he's done a fantastic job with it yes i uh, yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, we talk about the sword fighting actually on the week. Actually, we talk about the majority of the weapons that you use on the show. I think. Yes, my favorite was last week the uh, the gun that they made for Charlie, sort of out of just like you know pieces. We had talked about how guns originally came from bamboo and sort of making parts out of nature, and we just loved how they made that weapon for Charlie last week. Uh, to use, it, and it, it wasn't just it a gun. It weirdly reminded me of the deer hunter, of, of the <laughs> little, you know, sliding gun that Robert De Niro has in that. I'm going to con- uh, concoct one of those for Halloween, I think. <laughs> I think we should all go as, like, a character from Revolution this year. I'm planning on a little bit of Charlie in my <laughs> Charlie influence. And, and I don't so- have to do anything. <laughs> it's fantastic. Just free candy. <laughs> now, you mentioned, um, you mentioned training. I also read something about you had a, a primitive survival expert. How did that go? What, what kind of training did they teach you to prepare you for this role? Well, you know, it, you just sort of don't really ever know exactly where a role is going to go, and you want to be prepared so you can go there for the writers. And so around the time I got this, I started uh, training at a place called Mountain Scout Survival School with a guy named Shane Hovel, um, who is um, there's a guy named Tom Brown who wrote a very famous book called The Tracker, and Tom is considered by many people to be uh, the foremost tracker in the United States, and he's, you know, uh, law enforcement uses him to find lost kids and uh, fugitives, and anyhow, Shane is on his tracking team, and um, uh, so, you know, it's uh, kind of everything from how to how to build a fire when you don't have matches, to how to how to build a shelter, how to make, um, I don't know, fishing spears. Uh, Shane and I actually built a what's called a father and son bow, uh, which is a survival hunting bow huh. that uh, I gave the prop department and was actually used in, I can't remember if it's episode six or seven, but, but um, you know, it's, it's all of that stuff. It's how did, how did, you know, people survive until actually really pretty recently. And, and, you know, there are still uh, cultures where a lot of these uh, survival techniques are still, uh, still in use. Do you think that you would be, I mean, through this training, I'm kind of jealous that you have this training, <laughs> and I would really, I think that everyone should go, I know they have like Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, but I don't know that that's enough, especially as I see that this is kind of a precautionary tale to our society, to which we've become so distant from our food supply. I mean, no, we'd be in a lot of trouble <laughs> if this were to actually Well, I, happen. I mean, I think that that whole issue of, of you know, that... We should have. We should all be eating locally sourced food, and yeah. that you know, <laughs> the thing this show points out, which is I think true, is that grocery stores are computer stocked for two or three days, 
and after that there's no food and and the way we've set up our food system now it all gets shipped in from thousands of miles away and on trucks and things so you know there, i have to say there's also just a part of you know i live in a 1840s farmhouse and i'm a beekeeper and we make maple syrup and have tomatoes and potatoes and berries and all kinds of things and there's also i mean uh, on a on a really selfish level it just all tastes better you know and there there's a real joy to kind of growing your own food no, I absolutely agree with that. So it sounds like you would be a-okay if this were to happen tomorrow. Yeah, you sound pretty prepared. Sounds like there's not a huge distance between you and your food supply. I, well, I don't know. I mean, if this happened, you know, we wouldn't be able to talk to our relatives on the phone or our That's friends. Or, I, there's, it's just, you know, it, it's a funny thing because in dealing with the, uh, with thinking about this for the last, I don't know what, it's been five months or so, it's still just so overwhelming as an idea to me, you know. Right. I mean, speaking to what you just said, how we wouldn't have communication to our family or friends, after watching, a, a, like, the premiere episode, the pilot, I, I was speaking with my mom about it the next day, and she was asking how the show went, and I said, Mom, we have a bigger problem. Like, we need to establish a fire escape plan. Like, she's in Pennsylvania. I'm in L.A. So we actually developed this plan to meet in Oklahoma. We picked the town. We picked the street. We picked the place because, you know, this could happen, and it's scary, and I want to be able to, you know, locate my family. So we actually came up with this fire plan because of this precautionary tale. I mean, did you uh, kind of establish any sort of plan with your family members after being part of this? Oh, I hate my family. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't. You're very energetic. I think you you listen to the lead-in music a lot or something. (laughs) I listen to it right before I go to bed. (laughs) No, I think that's great, though. I mean, you know, whoever wants anything like this to ever happen, but I don't think it also hurts to, you know, I mean, look, where I live, the power goes out in the winter all the time. So, you know, you think about, well, we should have some extra cans of tuna fish in case the power goes out for, you know, a couple of days or something. And it's just smart to be, you know, a little bit um, prepared without being crazy. And (laughs) it's very funny to be like, I've seen those... uh, what are those shows? Um, uh, there are these shows on the National Geographic Channel where um, people stockpile cases and cases. <laughs> they do, yeah. You know, and and uh, doomsday preppers, I think they're called. And, right. And uh, you know, the thing that occurs to me about a situation like the one in this television show <laughs> is, if anything like that ever did happen, there'd be this world of terrible scarcity, and those people who stockpiled all. <laughs> This food for so long, it seems to me then become targets of all the people who who don't have food. So I don't know. It it feels a little to me like um, hoarders with paranoia. Uh, a little bit. Well, that's actually a great lead to one of the questions I had for you. You were talking about people, if you stocked your food and how it might lead to some type of chaoticness among people. We noticed in last week's episode, there was a particular scene that we were talking about uh, where it was yourself and your wife and young Charlie, and there was a young man who came to try and steal your food in that particular scene. And it seemed like yeah. your character had a lot of inner turmoil in, in regards to fighting back with this guy. Is Is there something that 
is that is in within you or character that does not want to necessarily pull the card of being an aggressive fighter because we also see Charlie a little bit battle with her character of of wanting to you know think out things before she goes completely physical and uses her crossbow to you know become a badass chick (laughs) yeah I think there's a lot of Ben and Charlie I, I think Charlie has got a lot of her dad and her mom I mean obviously in her but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by it. it. It's it's funny, you know. A bunch of my uh, I was I'm in a fire department here, and I I have a friend who's a homicide detective in the fire department, and, and um, I was just at our monthly business meeting, and and he said, "Man, you're such a wimp." I said, "What?" <laughs> he said, "You we should, why you didn't shoot them? Why your wife shot?" Her? Well, and that's you know yeah that's true. And then the other thing is why my wife killed the guy yeah, yeah. shoot him in the leg yeah. she didn't push him and and i think it's really interesting and and i can tell you people have come at me with with various feelings and i think this is kind of great writing and great editing in that, oh, for sure. in that episode you know that uh, and i don't really know the answer i don't know it's interesting because i think in the pilot 15 years past uh blackout Ben seems to be in a very strong place. He seems like kind of the mayor of that uh, that cul-de-sac, you know, and um, uh, has somehow built a community around himself, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I, I don't know what the transformation is in the 15 years that gets him to that place, but uh, I'm fascinated to see what the writers come up with. Well, Ben seems to also be key in holding a lot of the information. Are we going to possibly see, you know, at least in this first season, the reveal of what he actually knows, uh, all the information that he has? You know, I don't fully know the answer to that. I I know, uh, you know, especially for the Lost fans, that the the producers seem (laughs) very, very, very interested in answering all the questions that they're posing. And and uh, I I know uh, I know kind of the answers on some of that stuff, but but I'm I, I feel a little like a like an eight year old magician <laughs> who has some secrets he's wandering around the house with um, <laughs> that I'm not allowed to say. I I I, I they're definitely going to answer those. I, I don't know quite how quickly uh, that's going to come, but I would think relatively quickly. I mean, I feel like they're sort of uh, posing riddles and answering them pretty quickly. Yeah. And one of the things I'm really enjoying with the show is I feel like every episode there's a new twist or a new reveal. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's going to keep it uh, keep people guessing, and, and I think it's fascinating. And that's what we were kind of speaking about last week as well, um, that there's the last episode revealed so much information that we were excited to have that chance to experience that and see it. Um, it's What would be your, your if you had the choice between three weapons, <laughs> a crossbow, a sword, and a gun, what would you pick for survival for the show? A crossbow. And the, why? The one you and, made? <laughs> and before a crossbow, I'd pick a, a, a longbow. Oh, yeah, a longbow. Um, yeah, I, I would. I uh, because a crossbow has. I mean, you know, we're talking real survival. A crossbow has a lot of mechanical stuff that can break. A longbow I can make. Um, uh, and now, thanks to Shane Hobel <laughs> and Mountain Scout Survival School, I, if you give me a knife, I can go out and make a bow. And Have I can you make made another one? 
Huh? Have you made another one since the initial one you gave to the show? Like, have you tried to make another one just for your own? No, take? that's the only one so far. I mean, they're fascinating things. Like, one of the... And, and Eric Kripke got very inter- interested in this stuff, too. Um, you know, like, w- the primitive survival stuff... Um, I, I try and really think about, you know, it in terms of what are the resources available. So, for example, and this is Shane, this wasn't me, you know, in terms of making arrowheads, which, you know, they used to use obsidian, um, you know, which is essentially volcanic glass, what there is available all over the landscape now is old beer bottles, oh, wow. which oh. is, uh, you know, glass, just like... Uh, you know, obsidian, and, and is is pretty easily napped down into uh, into an arrowhead. So that's a, you know, gunpowder is not a, uh, a, a thing that is in constant uh, supply. Um, but you can make cordage out of an awful lot of uh, different kinds of bark and vines and, and bows you can make easily, and arrows you can make, you know, with a little work fairly easily. Um, so that, to me, is a renewable resource. It also is not a... Uh, it, it's also quiet um, compared to a gun. Um, it, it doesn't require you to... See, I'm also thinking about hunting. I'm not thinking That's about true. whacking right. people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, swords require you to get up close to, to something to eat it, unless you're throwing <laughs> the sword at it. Um, you know, it's fascinating, though, too, I mean, because I think that this this show, I mean, and I know Eric Kripke's um, interest in this is to create this kind of giant adventure, um, and I think there's a reason why the show is set in, in 15 years later, Yeah. Um, right. because the horror of the reality of this is, is so terrible. But I think we're going to taste, we're going to get little pieces of it, and it's interesting because there are different people who, you know, in, in terms of comments about the show, there are some people who really want to see what goes down right after it and, and uh, other people who don't. But I think that, you know, so much of the focus of the show is um, is this kind of uh, Lord of the Rings adventure. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, uh, that goes later on. Yeah, I heard him say, Eric Kripke, in an interview that it's a very long walk. (laughs) But that, you know, they wanted to tell a story of a society coming together and not falling apart. However, I really enjoy those EpiPens of flashbacks that we get with you and, you know, your family and what happened right after the blackout because we're all sitting here see like wanting to see the drama you know it's like in human nature to want to see the pain the suffering the chaos that's uh, of course what we want to see and also we want to see it because if it did happen we want to know okay how can we use this show to help teach us how to deal with this so i think we're all enjoying those flashback epipens and i'm going to continue to hope to see you in those flashbacks moving forward uh i i really that's one of my favorite parts of the show and how they've been correlating that right in with what's happening in the story, so I think they do a nice I, job I, with that. Thank you, and I and I think they're smart to do it because I think it grounds the fifteen years later in kind of a recognizable reality for everybody. Yeah. You know? Well, you're making me want to go get a primitive expert uh, to help me out, like building fires and <laughs> you know make my own bullets and, and and get some training because if anything ever happens, I feel very unprepared. We're coming to your farm. <laughs> We're coming to your farm. <laughs> we'll be like, remember that well, that interview. <laughs> You know, you know, I wind up doing this with 
every part I get. So if I'm playing um, a, a seamstress, it's all going to be about sewing in six months. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> so tell us. And a little, I'll probably forget all of my primitive survival stuff and be really good at using a sewing machine. So, uh, you know. Well, I know you also have a couple of films coming out at Promised Land and uh, Just Like a Woman. Could you give us a little bit of background on your characters in those two particular films? Yeah, um, Just Like a Woman is a, a brilliant uh, Algerian French director named Rashid Boukareb, who I think has. He's either won two Oscars or been nominated twice. Uh, and he's, he's, he's just an extraordinary. Uh, director and I play a kind of homicide cop in love with a it's a it's a movie in large uh, part about kind of an interface between uh, the Muslim world and the non-Muslim world in Chicago um, and uh, so I'm a, a non-Muslim with a, a, a cop whose fiance is a Muslim woman and um, uh, and and I, I, I'm, I haven't seen it yet but I'm really excited about it and I'm actually going to Matt Damon's house tomorrow morning to look at uh, Promised Land. Oh, nice! Which is uh, Gus Van Zandt, uh, and I'm I'm I, I think it's going to be really interesting. I, you know, they moved back the release date. Uh, I think um, you know, so it's available in case anybody likes it enough to nominate it for any of those prizes that uh, come at the beginning of the year. And um, it's a, a movie. It, it, we shot it uh, in and around Pittsburgh. Uh, it's about fracking, the oh, okay. kind of issue of fracking. And uh, I, 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 I'm really hopeful. I think it's an important movie, and I think it's going to be a, a, a good one, probably. And I think Matt's actually really proud of the work everybody did. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well, it sounds like an amazing cast. I look forward to seeing it. Yeah. Do you have any idea when we'll see uh, the coming two or the trailer for that? Well, when for, we can uh, Promised Land has a trailer out now uh, that I know you can see on the, the interweb. And um, just like a woman, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure about that one. Are they both going to be released I'm also this on, year? Uh, Homeland on Sunday. Oh, that's a great show. We do that recap here as well. We do that as well. Hey, you might want to call in for that. I was going to say, we might have to get you on (laughs) twice in a week. Uh, That's funny. Hey, so Uh, I I read something very interesting about you. Um, I'm shooting a documentary right now, actually, on my circus family background, and I heard that you do a little bit of tightroping, Walker. What's your circus family background? Well, my background is my grandfather had a circus in 1907. He traveled up and down the East Coast and he taught his children how to do trapeze and tight walking and uh, he actually was on the cover of Billboard magazine in 1907 as showman of the year and so I'm, I'm sort of doing a documentary of talking about you know the old days and how the grand scheme of things worked there wasn't films, there wasn't wrestling there wasn't theater, it was all one big showcase that came to town you know and I think yeah, there's something we and, said and it for was that a, and there, were, there was a huge amount of circuses at that time and, you know, I think uh, movies and, and particularly television sort of put the nail into, into the circuses. But, you know, it's interesting in, uh, in, in France, for example, it's a sort of national passion. They have a, a circus festival in Paris once a year, and there are, I think, probably 15 or 20 different circuses in Paris at the same time. Wow. And um, it, it's, really, it's really something. Yeah, there's, uh, 
I, I train and um, teach a little bit at a at a school called Cirque School LA when I'm out there. Oh wow! And, uh, I'm I'm nuts for it. Yeah. I well, think we all need to show up and get yes, some lessons. Yes, I definitely need to come by. I'd love to to you to teach come me some. Come by, <laughs> come by Cirque School LA, and, and uh, they have static trap and uh, tissue and tight wire and uh, acrobatics and contortion and juggling and the whole the whole thing. It's run by a woman who uh, was a Cirque du Soleil uh, performer and her husband who uh, stage managed the Pickle Family Circus, and it's it's fantastic. Did it's you learn great. this for and a role, or did you just take an interest in it? Uh, I just I just weirdly took an interest in it, <laughs> and I I have um, Philippe Petit is a, a neighbor uh, of mine, and uh, and I studied with him, and I went and studied with a, this wild guy named Jade Kindermartin, who lives um, near Nîmes in southern France, and Jade is the I think he is he, he somebody else maybe, but he was anyhow the high wire speed champion so he sprints on the high wire um, oh wow which is is, the, is that the, the goal highway. is that the goal for you <laughs> no I, I don't have any, i have none of that and i don't have any of like you know philippe uh, philippe is the guy who walked between the world trade center and wow. the, that just makes my hands sweat even to think about i yeah. can't imagine taking <laughs> yeah. right. that first step that's just oh yeah crazy to me yeah yeah I can't even imagine looking down. <laughs> that's just, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, well, my documentary is yeah. about the nature of pursuing one's dream and what that looks like translated to today's society versus the past. So I'm definitely going to come by Circus LA, and I look forward to seeing you there and learning the ropes. <laughs> and there, may be a f- there might be a future yeah, roll calling. Yes, so a future role. <laughs> a future role might be calling for this. I think uh, we, you know that might be a great, great next next film for you. <laughs> it's uh, called it's called One Dream Too Many. <laughs> <laughs> now, it, with with your films, you've played and, and television credits, you've played so many different roles. What would be something like that is an ultimate role that you would play next? That what's your dream role to play? Wow, that's such a crazy question. <laughs> uh, um, oh my God! I, 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 I don't even know how to. You know, I've been really lucky with getting. I, I really love playing very different people and very. You know, uh, uh, Ladder Forty Nine, for example, was a great movie to do because I didn't know anything about the fire department, and I got to go and uh, go to a fire academy, and I wound up graduating from the fire academy wow. and and, uh, and going out with the Baltimore Fire Department and going on runs with them and doing a bunch of uh, interior um, fires. And, uh, you know, I, I love things like that where, and, you know, now years later I'm still a, a fireman because of that movie. I did a movie called Sweet Land about farming and had to learn all this farming stuff and then wound up, you know, living in an old farmhouse. So Wow. Um, so your roles have you had know, a huge influence on your yeah. life. I think they should. Why not? You right. know, why not? Because the great thing is when you play different people, you have an opportunity to learn about the things they do. And, and why not fall in love with those things? You that's know? true. You know, yeah. I heard you were in Iron Man yeah, That's right. Just well. a small film. You <laughs> just know, just a, small, a small film. Uh, do you have a suit in the closet <laughs> that you want to break out every once in a while? <laughs> you know what's funny about that movie? The, and I remember it the first, the, like the the well, I remember especially on the second movie, but on the first one too. But 
when you go to have your wardrobe fitting on those those uh, movies, uh, I've never experienced this. There's a, a a building with all of the windows blocked out, and there's a security guard, and you have to give him your phone, and you have to walk through a metal detector to make sure you don't have a camera, and it's because they want to keep the the suit such a secret. Wow. You know, because I I assume they're afraid of somebody ripping them off and selling yeah, toys in sure. Korea or I mean I don't know I don't know uh, what it is but but I was like wow that's just crazy We're, you know it's funny John Favreau was the director on those first two movies and also on the pilot of Revolution and and he's a, he's a just a great great guy but i remember on the on the second iron man movie we were at andrews air force base and uh and we were shooting the scene in a hangar and and i remember john sort of had a thought and he said you know it would be great it'd be great if we could get a stealth bomber can we get a stealth bomber in and we all sort of stopped for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or something and they flew in a stealth bomber <laughs> and parked this thing <laughs> i was like I'm, it's just how, how is how is he going to go from that to the the crazy speed and economy of television yeah. he did it sort of seamlessly which was stunning to me does eric or or jj visit the sets often uh eric was there through the entire uh, entire pilot every day, um, he has not uh, been out uh, lately. I, I think it's I think the 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 mountain of getting these scripts to the place that they get delivered to us yeah. at is uh, I think he's hurting enough cats in the writers' room to not mess around with hurting the cats on the set. Right. Yeah. But we talk a lot. We all talk on the phone all the time and, and get notes from them and, and, uh, and I have questions for the writers. And, you know, it's it's kind of fantastically open and much more so than on, on lots of shows I've been involved in. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure. I, I feel like we got so much insight on this coming season of Revolution, and we're continuously excited about watching all the future episodes and look forward to seeing your character grow, see what happens next with your character as well. And uh, thank you for I'm taking so the time glad. to speak with us. Yes. And I hope we weren't too depressing. I, I hope everybody <laughs> remembers it's a, it's a big, rollicking adventure, no. not just a, an apocalyptic story of doom. No, I, I think people will see that it's a, it's about a story and a society coming together. I mean, we talked about briefly how in the beginning intro it says re-evolve. And yeah. our kind of thoughts on this show is yeah. that, you know, they turned this off so that society could re-evolve because, you know, we're becoming robots, right? And electronic masks, you know? And, and we're not really communicating with each other and we're not living our basic needs and instincts and, and it's, I, I agree with the show and that, you know, society needs to re-evolve. So I think it's an exciting tale, more so depressing. I get yeah. excited every week to uh, yeah. to watch you and, and the rest of the cast just and the adventure that I feel like I'm going on myself by watching this show. I'm so glad. And thank you guys so much for uh, supporting the show with uh, with with your show absolutely. absolutely feel free to call us anytime i know it's pretty late for you but <laughs> yeah. we watch the show here in la when it's on at 10 and then we tape live at 11 which would it's not be late <laughs> for me. i've got to go do some live tweeting again 
Oh, wow. Oh, great. Yeah. Please join us if you're awake. Uh, we uh, film live at AfterBuzzTV.com, and we stream live as we're taping the show. And you can call in, and we'd love to surprise calls from you anytime. I'm sure the fans would as well. Tim, you're making me pretty okay. jealous. You tweet your own stuff. You're a firefighter. You know how to uh, light a fire. You know how to light fires outside. Build weapons. You know how to t- beekeeper. Beekeeper. Tightrope. Tightroper. I mean, you're the man. Uh, you're like Mr. Universe. <laughs> I got to learn wow. after you. <laughs> I can I can give you a list of my faults too. <laughs> it's just as long. <laughs> well, thank you again. And we also want to remind everyone here, um, as you're watching tonight's episode and listening on iTunes, please go back to iTunes and rate and comment us so we can continue to build great programs for you. We also definitely listen to all of your uh, comments and, and, and watch all of your comments because we want to make sure that the shows continue to entertain you and we're giving you what you want. So, Tim, thank you again. It was an absolute pre- pleasure. Excuse me, pleasure having thank you, you here. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Have a great day. You too. And how can the fans contact you? What's your Twitter handle? Uh, Tim Guinea. At Just Tim at, Guinea. Tim Guinea. at Tim Guinea. Okay, great. Well, we'll we look forward to having you on the show again. <laughs> thank you. I'm happy to do it anytime. Awesome. Well, I'm Kristen Elizabeth Snyder, and you can find me at Cinematic Escape on Twitter or at CinematicEscape.com. I'm Dario Kristen. You can find me at Dario Kristen or under the same name under Facebook, D-E-R-R-I-A-L-C-H-R-I-S-T-O-N. You're watching a special episode for NBC's Revolution. Be sure to tune in tonight as well at 11 p.m. because we're going to recap tonight's episode. So you'll see us double dose today. And uh, thanks again, and we look forward to seeing you. And thank you, Tim. See you guys. Thank Have you, guys. Great Have a great night. From Bing.com, executive producer, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.